There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Talks about the brains arms last week, chaps. What did you think? Have you had your samples? Game changer. Yeah, honestly, have you not noticed I'm a different man? Oh, you're springing your step. You, tur- you turned up on time. Exactly, because I knew I could remember the time that I needed to be there. No, but joking apart, I feel a lot sharper. I don't know about you. Yeah, if I take them before, even just like before, before I go to the gym or whatever, first thing in the morning, I feel a lot sharper throughout the day. I wish I, I just wish I'd have been. I wish I would have had them when I was playing. When, you know, when we were playing, we would have had them. Do they make you quicker? I don't know, but they make you more alert, don't they? Oh, 100 percent. So, because I will like, when ball used to be coming to me, I didn't have a fucking clue what I was going to do with it. If I'd have had some of these tablets, I might have been able to do something, something decent with it. I just like that it's all natural as well, though. Well, we mentioned last week, and if you, if you, if, if you are not feeling as focused, maybe you need a bit more motivation, want to be more energized, or generally just more positive, then Brainzyme Focus is a range of brain food supplements. I've got the Focus Pro. Um, there is an elite one. But this one's focus and concentration, motivated mood support, eight-hour energy, and that's very accurate. Memory support, and it's a hundred percent plant-powered. Thing is, as well, if people are working, at, people are working from home at minute as well. You get into a bit of a lazy comfort zone, even with your work, don't you? Massively, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think it's just alert. I just feel more alert with them. I think there's three to choose from, like you said, Chris. There's, there's the pro, which I think is a stronger formula. That's to feel more motivated and remain productive, even when you know you, you're feeling tired or under pressure. There's the elite, which is I think more more of a balanced supplement, helps you feel more focused and energized. But you know, if you're feeling stressed or you, maybe you've got a bit of anxiety, you know, in order in order to help you feel more positive and think clearer. And then there's the original, which is I think it, the original. It does the same. It's just a bit more of a low cost option. If you want to give it a try. Maybe try the, the low-cost option, Yeah, get the feel for it, and then look at the pro and the elite. And then Bosch, get the big dogs in. Honestly, I've, I've noticed a massive difference. Well, they call it they call it a nutritional snack. All the different ingredients are designed so that they, they complement each other and work together in order to get the best nutritional results. Fast acting as well. Yeah. They don't take long to kick in, I tell you. <laughs> and, of course, as uh, listeners on Under the Cosh, Brainzheim are offering... A special little offer, 15% off your order with a code for cost 15 when you go to brainzyme.com. That's B-R-A-I-N-Z-Y-M-E.com. And you get your 15% off with a code cost 15 The supplements are 100% plant-powered, meaning they're vegan-friendly and can contain no pharmaceuticals or synthetic ingredients, just plant extracts, vitamins, and minerals. So get involved. All natural. 
All natural. All natural. That's uh, that's good to hear that, though, isn't it? All natural. UK-based as well, made in the UK. So, yeah, get on over to brainzyme.com, B-R-A-I-N-Z-Y-M-E, and enter the code COSH15 and get your 15% off. Gentlemen. Good evening. More importantly, how are you? I'm very good. How's your hooter? Seeing you look better, Chris. I know. It's, it's all right. It's got a, a southwestly tilt. What happened? Well, you, you know I've come out of retirement, didn't you? We mentioned it like the other week. Yes. I worked it out, actually. 17 years since I last played 11 aside. You're only 36. I know. I, I, I retired at 20. Well, we're on bench because obviously I got injured. <laughs> <laughs> Is he resting you again? I come on at half time, 2 0 down. So I thought I, I got rustling some feathers. Few tackles, bodies flying uh, everywhere. I can just, I can, I just, I've just got Boris Johnson pictured in that game. They, they put big lad on me. They, they knew I was there to, to, to rustle some feathers, and then basically, I ran into the back of him. Because <laughs> <laughs> you just not stop yourself running like when you see that oh, I'm going to hit him, and you thought, like, oh, I just can't stop. Well, well there were there were a bit of a melee. And we're on edge of 18 yard box. Ball went over. I said, I would have said it was going to land probably six, seven yards out. Turned on a six point. So you know I'm, I'm rapid. Yeah. Right? Dropped it into second, gone. And he's, he's trundling like an old John Deere. And I've gone smashing to the back of him. Head butted back of his head. Nose was bust. Were he a dwarf as well then? Broken nose, black eye. How was he? No, he, he, he went down. I, I don't go down, me. I'm renowned for that. And um, But then when I saw blood, Hands and knees. Tell you what, they don't realise what a, what a superstar they've got on their hands. Warrior. Yeah, somebody was going to put know. the body up line like that at 2-0 yeah. well, I said that in dressing room, I told them. I bled for this team. <laughs> but you're so, all right now. It's got a bent bugle and a bit of a black eye. Yeah. Did you come off or you, you just backed it up? No, I come off. They were only it was last minute game. Oh, so you chased about for 44 minutes? Yeah. Oh, I put, I put a shift in. Yeah. Still 2-0 still down. 2-1. Score? 2-1-0 so in my half, no. Created, no. you know. What, created the goal or just created havoc? Well, I created space. <laughs> <laughs> Martin Allen? Yes, part two. I th- Personally, I think this is bold statement, better than the first one. It's got some uh, It's got some going to it because it was a fucking very good episode. Just a nice human being as well. And that's a lot coming from someone who were at the, the butt end of most of it. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of endearment. Hey, we've got the um the dates are out for the live shows. If anybody's not yes. noticed, you can uh, you can go over to our website and see all the dates if you've not already seen them. And the uh, the new website, www.underthecosh.com. And um I just I was spelling under under. There's no E. There's no E. Oh, no so it's not as our normal spelling. U-N-D-R-T-H-E-C-O-F-H.com. Who do we think we are with that website, by the way? It is far too good f- for us. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's organised, looks good. Uh, it's got all the information on the, that we, that you need. Uh, obviously, we didn't have any part to play in that, did we? <laughs> no. Yeah, big thanks to uh, Ascension Digital Design for, uh, for sorting the website out. Very impressed, I must admit. Up. Yeah. Yeah, they've done an inc- sensational job, haven't they? Yeah, so all you've got to do is you can go over, you can get all the ticket information, then you can click straight through to book tickets if you fancy it. All in the north, but we've got some uh, going south later. We'll have some dates later in the year. 
Yeah. yeah. Get a bit of merchandise while you're there, if you like, as well. We're going to set a stall up. Well, we, what we like, the, all the tour dates on the back saying, like, and, like Bon Jovi or something. Yeah. <laughs> Sheffield. Sheffield's the one for me that I'm looking forward to with Dean Saunders. I think that would be brilliant. We've got, we've got two confirmed guests up tonight. Yeah, Dean Saunders for uh, Sheffield and Kevin McNaughton for Cardiff. And we'll be releasing the other guests as and when they're confirmed. So we'll just yeah, about 20, minutes, about 20 minutes before we start, we'll release uh, the guests uh, who's going to be on that night. We can't be too professional, can we, chaps? Anyway, anyway, let's bosh that live live shows to the side. What about the Super Reds? Unbelievable. They confirmed the in the playoffs at the weekend. All right. Well done. Little old, little old Barnsley. It worked, no, not doing me, pal, but thanks anyway. Well done, Barnsley. Sensational achievement, that really, isn't it? He's going to get a big job, isn't he? Well, you'd, you'd think so, wouldn't you, depending on how the playoffs go. He's not going to leave the Costa Brava Yorkshire. Well, he'd be a bloody fool to unless, unless Real Madrid come. I can't blame him, but apart from Real Madrid, no other team. I don't think you could prize him away from Super Reds. <laughs> yeah, should we get Martin in then? Here we go, my yeah, let's get ourselves. In that Sunderland game because your, your Brentford team beat Sunderland in the FA Cup, giant killing. Mm. Did you, you been playing? I was injured, but I remember it being a pretty big upset. Yeah, DJ Campbell. Yeah, it was a special um, special time for us, of course. You know, uh, from a team that was going to get relegated the year before, and then to to climb uh, like we did, and to play a, a club like Sunderland with the history. That's what Dennis is up, by the way. That's a dog nut, by the way. That's a dog nut, me, man. Keep him away from him. Yeah. <laughs> no, he, uh, he likes these dog treats. <laughs> what is it? It's coming up to four o'clock. So normally he has uh, a little armful at tea time. Mm. <laughs> He's no, peckish, was, uh, he? It was a special... Um, it was a special day, you know, to beat Sunderland live on TV. Mick McCarthy, some of the players, we've been watching them on the Premier League. And um, it's a special... <laughs> What was Mick like after that? If you go on to fine. Mick. Came in, said, well done. We were good, though. We had we had some really good players. And with DJ Campbell, um, we had a match winner. Yeah. And our game plan was pretty pretty simple, pretty straightforward. <laughs> <laughs> Are we not as nice as what the dogs make them look, then, biscuits? <laughs> 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 Lovely. <laughs> um, we had a game plan that um, all 10 players would stay close together and we would not be stretched and opened up by their more talented players and get it to Campbell as quick as we could. And for him, do whatever he like. All of the rest of us play compact and stay together, get it to Campbell. Okay, and we gone. put it all on him. And he <laughs> absolutely loved it. He absolutely had license to um, be the man. We set it up for him to be the golden boy and in you'd not, training. You'd not 
played with him like this in games previous, in the league games running up to was it. Was he always the man? He wasn't always in the team. He'd just come out from um, non-league. Um, oh, that biscuit was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Quite a drink. <laughs> that'd be quite funny to eat <laughs> I thought it'd be quite amusing like just eat the dog biscuit <laughs> but I just read the box over there and it's cow udder and spinach it's a delicacy in some countries <sighs> load of bollocks <laughs> um, no so we gave him licence to, to play and perform and all the players knew because we'd been seeing it in training um, it's quite a good story, really. When um, when when I got told by a guy called uh, John Griffin, God bless him, God rest his uh, soul, um, who was my scout, the scout, not my scout, the club scout, that there was a player at Yedding called Campbell, who a friend of his had told him he's good. So John Griffin has his job is to come into the office and say, I'm going to go and watch this player play. Um, but I've heard he's really good. So I said, yeah, fine, whatever you want, Griff, whatever's good, let me know. So I went off to a game uh, on a Tuesday night and um, half past eight, 7.45 kickoff, at half past eight, my phone went. Griff, which is unusual for him to call me at half time in a game. You normally, you normally network in the, in the scouts lounge, if you know what I'm saying. Griff, you all right? Yep. Gaffer, he said, we need to sign this player. I said, oh, right. He said, we need to sign him as quick as possible because there's a lot of clubs here tonight. He said, you need to get him in here and get this deal done. So I knew the manager of Yedding. So I left a text message with him at half time. Uh, Can you call me, please, as soon as the game finishes? And um, Drax, his name, he he took Yedding, if you like, to that game against QPR in the FA Cup quite a few years ago at Loftus Road. So I rang him after, he rang me back afterwards. I said, how much do you want? Blah, blah, blah. He said, he's desperate to come. I said, get him to the club tomorrow. I've never even seen him play. And uh, <laughs> I just went on Griff's advice. It's all Griff's fault. It was fucking Griff. <laughs> so um, I obviously spoke to Griff later and he said, it's definitely worth it. 10 grand. Just get him. Just get him. Give him a sell on. Uh, just get him. I said, what's the lad like? He said, I don't know. He said, just get him. So we got him into the uh, got him to come in the next day with his agent at one o'clock at Griffin Park, and at Griffin Park they've got a nice boardroom with one of those long wooden tables, you know, poshy shit. So I was sitting there, my collar and tie on, and looking smart, and so was Griff. We always used to make sure we had a white shirt on and a nice suit whenever we had players or agents to make make us look good at Brentford, if you know what I mean. And um, knock on the door, agent comes in. DJ comes in with um, his top button was undone, his next button was undone, and his tie on his white shirt was down here. And he had a suit on, but it was like... Well, like a bag of shit. But he had a lovely smile. (laughs) (laughs) He had a lovely smile as he came in. He had a, you know, a bit nervous. Agent sits opposite me and Griff. And I uh, said, how you doing? Good, well done last night. I heard you scored two or three goals. So, uh, so well done. And it was Griff that's picked you out. So um, we'll be good. We can get this done today. Um, 
I said, right, here's the contract. And I opened my folder. I said, for the first year, you're going to be on, he won't mind me saying, I think it was something like £300 a week. <clears throat> um, £200 a goal and £200 every time you start. And if you make 10 appearances, it will all go up by another 100 quid each time. If you do well, we'll go on to this. Then if you get sold, you're going to get 20% of the sell-on, which is a good incentive for you. And we'll also give to your old club another 20%, 10%, whatever. So it all balances out well for you. You went, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, great. The agent said, we ain't signing for that. You ain't signing. He's signing. He said, we're not signing for that. I said, you just got that wrong. You ain't playing. It's him. If he wants to sign it, he'll sign it. He said, he's not going to sign for that. I said, okay. And I slammed my folder. I said, thank you very much then. You can go. He got up and he walks out of the boardroom gets to the door and DJ's halfway between staying and going. <laughs> should I stay or should I go? <laughs> and he's part-time here. He must be part-time here, isn't it? He? he was driving a white van delivering parcels around mm. Heathrow Airport. Old battered old white um, escort van. Did you see in his eyes straight away that if his agent's not there, he's give me the pen. So it all went quiet. He went out the door. Griff said, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I said, he'll be back. Because the player's desperate to sign. He can't keep driving a van, yeah. delivering parcels. He'll be back. We'll get a deal done. Don't worry. Two minutes later. Come in. Door opens and a little head creeps around the corner. <laughs> like that. Can we come in? I said, DJ, of course you can. DJ came in first and the agent came in behind him, sat down. So DJ said... Um, can you give us just a little bit more? So I said, yeah. But not a lot more. Because if you do well, DJ, you're going to earn a lot of money. A lot of money. And you can do well. I've never even seen him play. <laughs> so, all right then. So I gave him a bit more money on everything. The agent was sitting there like, the agent's never spoke to me since. Which is fine. And then... Um, DJ signed. He turned up at training the next day. All the players at Brentford had to be in at 9.45. He was there at 9.15. All the players used to go home about half one, two o'clock. He was still there at three o'clock. You'd look out on the pitch at your office. And there'd be a bag of balls of the youth team goalkeeper and he'd be smashing them in the corner. And I'd have to call him out, DJ, come in, DJ. And he'd come running over. Right. I'd say, yeah, what are you doing? He said, done shooting. I said, yeah, but we've done shooting this morning. He went, I know. He said, I don't really get, normally get home till half past six. He said, I ain't going home now. I said, well, training finished at half past 12. He said, yeah, but what am I going to do all day? He said, I ain't sitting around. Doing, he said, I might as well do this. Guess what? He used to do that every day. Mm. So all the other lads would kind of go home when, when you would. He just loved it. He absolutely loved it. And of course, when it came to that game um, against Southampton uh, against uh, Sunderland, he was um, he was brilliant. Well, mm. Mm. he's one for you. Who was the first, whether you were as assistant or a manager, first player to test you, to take the piss, and 
disrespect you, if any? Um, I don't really think there has been any. Um, Keith Scott at Reading was a challenge um, when I first got there, but he was part of the team that kept losing every week. Um, and I'm sure underneath, behind it all, he was a nice guy, but he really wasn't overly bothered with the uh, the training and the work and coming in early. Uh, but I'd also had the displeasure of watching him play. <laughs> <laughs> and so, <laughs> what about you're the be a dick and you've at least got to be good, aren't you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what about the philosophy though? Because it, I mean, with some of the the stories we've heard, I mean, I'll be again, you know, r- running for a bush. I think he told us about it. if you if you're with us, you're going to come through it. You must, there must have been players who you've struggled to get to buy into to some of the more mad hat ideas, should we say? Did I run through a bush? So, yeah. so we've been led to believe. Yeah, I did. <laughs> it wasn't a bush. It was a hedge. A hedge. A tight, tight knit as well. Yeah, it's a, a stubborn one, isn't it, to get mm. through? Thorns? It was one of those with thorns in. <laughs> but from 25 yards away, as you're jogging around the training ground, I couldn't see the thorns. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, lads. And by the time you've yes. seen them, you've committed. Yes. And Braveheart says, Come on. You know, because MK was, is a, that was also a club in a transition. Mm. They'd had two relegations and there'd been a huge amount of criticism. Um, so that, and it was like, I, I thought it was like um, a party boys club. You know, they'd wear uh, their shirts all open. They'd have sunglasses on. They'd have all the chains and the watches and um, oh, all the stuff I hate. The ties would be down here and it was relegation <clears throat> and nice cars. And it was all the stuff that I just thought reeks of failure. Um, so we had to make it more humble and more disciplined and more focused. And I had to be unpopular, unfortunately, and to, to turn it round. Um, so some of those things, yeah, I did run through a bush. <laughs> and as you're going through a bush with a pair of shorts on and a T-shirt on and you get in and you feel all those fucking things going in you... <laughs> And you can't turn round and come back. <laughs> Can you imagine if you did? There's twenty of them. <laughs> Forget that one. <laughs> there's twenty of them players looking at me from behind, grinning, like fuck you know. And I got to the other side, and those those thorny bushes that we see on the side of the A roads, it was one of them, like with little white flowers at this time of year, but they're all prickly, and the prickles are fucking prickles. <laughs> But the problem and the dilemma I had was once I'd got to the other side, I still had to get back. <laughs> and that was the problem. I said to them, oh, whoa, 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 don't come through. So I'm on the other side, covered. You, they're everywhere, jabs. But I still got to get back. <laughs> well, we're going to do it. So I had to run along the thing, come through some woods and come back out. And they're all like going, oh, my God. <laughs> No, no, that was a that was a mad moment. That one. <laughs> Could you just say your dad going, "Don't let them see you hurt." Yeah, <laughs> there's no way I was going to pull back, and it was it was the same with that much publicised. You know, when I swam across that river, um, they'd have been talking about it. The players in a pre-match thing on a Friday afternoon away at Hartlepool. When I swam across the river, did you know about that? Yeah, it's cold up there as well, isn't it, Hartlepool? And uh, they hadn't won away from home, Brentford all season, and Hartlepool were in the playoff positions. It was a sunny afternoon, coming up to about 3.30 when the kids were coming out from school. 
And uh, we just got up there from London, had a warm down on this little field. And Stuart Talbot, the captain, was proper decent bloke. Um, and Scott Fitzgerald, the uh, uh, defender, Londoner, cocky. They were talking about uh, going in the river um, for a pound a man. And I was as the manager on the first away game as Brentford manager, about 15 yards away. And I was watching them and they were doing this warm up and just loosening off a load of old crap, really. And uh, in the end, I turned round with a bit of a face on and said, well, if you say you're going to swim it, get in and swim it. I'll do it. If you all put a pound a man in, I'll do it. I'll show you. They all jogged off and I'm stood there and I'm thinking, fucking hell, what a mistake. (laughs) (laughs) I'm looking at the river. It's about 20 yards wide. Not even that, probably. I tell people it's 30 yards wide, but it wasn't. So they all bounce back. And Talbot, first thing he says was, uh, yeah, we're all going to pay a pound and the staff's 24 quid. Um, you, you swim it then, like with an attitude and a smile on his face. So I said, yeah, of course I will. You finish what you're doing and I'll do it. They're all giggling and laughing, which was pretty good as a manager to get your players to laugh. They came back, said, right, we're ready. <laughs> so uh, I took off my top. I'm bare top. I've got a pair of shorts on, got my socks on. I start running down the side of the riverbank and it was 3.30 when all the school kids are coming out from the school. <laughs> it was just at the top of the road. So all these girls and boys are walking along and I'm jogging through them about 50 yards down, crossed the bridge, jogged back across, and I'm now facing them across the river. So the whole Brentford squad's looking at me, like smiling, thinking, what a tosser. <laughs> and they're staring across thinking, oh my God, is he going to do it? And you know when you're going to get in a cold swimming pool when you go on holiday, you go, you know, that little like, oh, my God. (laughs) (sighs) Shit. And I'm stood on the side looking in, and there's all reeds coming up the side of the water and little holes of mice and rats and all that stuff, which (laughs) I don't like. (sighs) I can't say no. (laughs) I just went (laughs) and dived in or jumped in because I didn't know how deep it was and just swam as hard as I could to get to the other side. When I got there, it was all muddy coming up the bank, the side of the bank, through the reeds and the Coke bottles and the crisp packets. Oh, that so Arbor, isn't it? Come down on your finger. <laughs> yeah. So I got out the other side, pulled myself up, and like Rambo-ish, I said, if you say you're going to fucking swim it, now fucking get in and swim it. <laughs> they all stood there absolutely pissing himself with laughter because it kind of was funny and I ran as far as I could back up to the hotel not a posh hotel just like an old shithole as I pulled up into the car park of the hotel there was a, a coach called a, a it was a creamy coloured coach you may or may not know this it was called Wallace Arnold so there's a big W with an A on the back what you may or may not know is those buses used to take people on tours around the country. <laughs> so I got to the hotel, opened the doors to go into reception, and there's 45 American tourists <laughs> with blue rinses in their suitcases queuing up to check into the hotel that had come off the coach. 
I'm covered in mud from my waist down, wet, <laughs> soaked through, covered in shit. And I, as I, they've turned around, they've seen me stood there and I'm going, fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was so embarrassed. I said, excuse me, can I have my key, please? <laughs> <laughs> I just pushed straight to the front. Can I have my key, please? Can I have my key? I just imagine living in this big puddle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> These blue rinse Americans are saying, what the fuck is happening here? <laughs> Swamp thing. <laughs> Comes at seven o'clock. All the players are down for dinner. Normal, standard stuff. Got to five past seven. I went in nice and quietly. They've all looked round. Smiling. I've got my club tracksuit on. And uh, they all laughed. And uh, I said, you got my money? <laughs> <laughs> so the captain gave me the money. I put the 24 quid in my pocket. Pound coins? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Made a point of this. I said, if you say you're going to swim it, you get in and fucking swim it. And we're playing for money. Paused. Walked out, left it, quiet like this. So half seven, normal, the coach goes into the dining room. Captain says, what time are we having a team meeting tomorrow? What's the rules? Coach says, everyone's got to be in their rooms by nine. No one's allowed out of their rooms by nine o'clock. You've all got to be in your rooms. Don't mind you having a coffee up to nine. That's fine. Rooms by nine. No team meeting tomorrow. No team meeting? Nope. So they're all sitting there thinking, fucking hell. The next morning, the coach and the physio go down with the kit man to the porter cabin at Harleypool, yeah. changing room. And what but there'd been, there was a shop called Pronterprint. Pronterprint was opening at nine o'clock where we were staying, wherever that was. So they went there, the pair of them, and they got printed on posters. If you say you're going to swim it, then swim it. And they got about 50 made. So when they went down to do the kit, the kit man's doing all the stuff and putting all the kit out, as you do. And they, with blue tack and sellotape, put all these posters all around the port cabin. I sat at the front of the coach on the way to the game, didn't say one word. It was totally silent. And they'd seen my face. Hartlepool hadn't lost all season at home. And Brentford had not won away from home all season. We were about seven points behind relegation, you know, behind that line. We won 2-1. When the players went into the dressing room off the team coach, you know, when you go in the dressing room it's that, and they saw it all like this, they were like, oh, my God. And I stayed away from them. I didn't talk to them. I just left them. And we just let them go out and play. No pre, no um, team talk pre-game? No, nothing. I don't always do that. I don't, I don't always believe in that because you can have one brilliant week, one week about playing Liverpool, say, and the next week you've got to play Rochdale. Um, with all due respect to Rochdale. So I'm not sure you can get that balance right. You know, you, you can't have a Churchillian-type speech to play Liverpool and then to Rochdale the next week you're going to be thinking, flipping out, what am I going to say this week? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So sometimes I think it's better to come from the training pitch, give them their jobs, explain what you want them to do, now go out and get on with it. Um, and I've been like that for a few years now. But that Hartlepool thing, you know, people said he's fucking mental to dive in the river. <laughs> Um, but can I, I can understand, but there was a purpose to it. I didn't plan it. It just happened. 
and it just came into my brain as quick as that. Yeah, so something that starts off as a laugh has then turned into a thing about preparing for a game and just, yeah. right, lads, on you go, get the but, signs up. But and- to take that moment of, right, do you know what? I'm going to show them. I'm going to... I'm going to jump in the river, but then yeah. to then get the, the, the posters printed, put them up, so then it does become a tool. Yeah. It? But if you say you're going to do it, do it, because mm. there's an urgency to it. You know, if you are going to do it, do it. This all got arranged just a couple of days ago, and the next thing I had was a message from you. We're booked into Airbnb. We're all sorted. We're coming down. This is going to be a great. And you've come here. You're all prepared. You're all ready. Apart from you, <laughs> this is how to do it, isn't it? This has all been done. You've put this together in forty-five in, in two days, so it says a lot, doesn't it? Mm. You know, do you you, know, you've delivered. You have delivered. So do you know when you you get into your room and you've dried off, you've had your shower, and you phone the wife? You never guess what I fucking done this time. What, what have you done now, Martin? <laughs> I swam across the fucking river. She, like, she must be like, no way. <laughs> well, it's um, it's weird. I, can, I have been, I don't know, to... Um, I think you mentioned it earlier. Sometimes I can be funny and have a good laugh and mess about with the best of them. And there's other days where I have a serious um, straight face and um, <clears throat> wake up at 5.30 in the morning, take the dog for a walk. And um, my mind is in a different place, different place. And it's totally focused to try to win matches, prepare to win games, uh, prepare the players to win games, prepare the players to do their best. And um, I suppose to win two championships and get into the playoffs five or six times, um, you can't be that mad. Done something right. Is it? Obviously, that was off the cuff, the Hartlepool one. There was the one with the um, the Nottingham derby. Was that when? When did you think up that How'd whole you know thing? About that? I thought it was well publicised. What, what happened at Notts County when we played Forest? Yeah. <laughs> Do you know about that at all? I've heard a whisper <laughs> <laughs> on the street. <laughs> oh, I didn't know you knew about that. <laughs> Notts County Stadium or ground. Is very close to the River Trent, big river, a nice footpath next to it. So before games, I always used to walk my old dog Monty pre-game along there a few hours before the match to calm me and clear me. And then after the games, whatever the result, I always used to take the dog along that walkway after the games as a calmer, whatever the result. And um, just across the river, obviously you can see what I classed when I lived there and worked there was the opposition. They don't like each other. And if I work for Notts County, I don't, also don't like them. I'm fine with them now, of course, at Notts Forest, but you hate them. I hate them. <laughs> and when we drew them in the cup, I just absolutely loved it. And I'd been to see them a few times play. And I thought with the spirit and what we had, I thought we could beat them. I told the players that. And we practised to win. And we've done everything we could to try to win the game preparation-wise. And then um, when I was at Brentford, I always used to make a lot of videos for the players at Brentford, funny videos showing players 
individual highlights. So perhaps a couple of goals you scored or bits that you've done really well. And I used to put little clips together and then I'd perhaps come to a player and just put, um, oh, sorry, couldn't get a clip because you've done fuck all. <laughs> all the way to the game. Funny stuff like that, just to break the ice and make people giggle, which is good for their karma before a football match. And I'd made videos, a lot of videos with a brilliant analyst that I had at Brentford. And then um, with that one at, at the Trent, I met him there about half five in the morning. Fair play to him. The plan was we were going to leave Notts County, the county ground, no, sorry, Notts County's ground at, let's for argument's sake, 6.30 to get there. It's a 10-minute drive at 10.2 for the kickoff an hour later. So the timing, because of traffic and everything, we had it all planned. And um, the idea was I was going to take all my gear off swim in the river with my shorts on, video it. And as I come back out, I say, I, I said, have no fear or something like this. Have no fear. When we come back here and the stand was right behind me, the badge on the back of the stand is right on the side of the river. When we come back here, we are going to fucking beat them. And I was soaking wet and freezing cold. And like, <laughs> fat pot belly we're going to come back here and we're going to fucking win we're fucking win so that was all videoed put together with a bit of music it's packed with traffic outside when we left the stadium we turned around the corner just before we got to the bridge and we popped the video on stony silent nervous players Chaps, we should be crossing the bridge. This is me talking on the team coach video. Chaps, we should be crossing the bridge now into enemy territory. Very soon, we will win this game of football. And when we come back over this bridge, we are going to be so happy and so jubilant. Words like that. I said, I've made this little video for you just to show you how much I believe in you. And the video comes on of me diving in the fucking river. So there was all supporters outside the coach. <laughs> There's no other traffic. Just us and Notts County fans everywhere on the side of our coach. And the players are looking at me, walking, taking my top off and then diving in the river. And it was so cold. <laughs> and, I go, <laughs> and I can hear all the players loving it. And at the end, I said, you are going to fucking win. We are going to fucking win. When we got off the coach, went into the game, we played unbelievably well. And it was only that, that bloody Wes Morgan. Nice, nice, nice guy. He hit a 35-yarder. Can you believe Wes Morgan? Oh, <laughs> Wes Morgan hit a 35-yard shot into the top corner to equalise, which took it to penalties, and we lost on penalties. I mean, Wes Morgan's never hit a shot in 35 years. <laughs> I can't remember him kicking the ball 35 yards straight for a long time. No, no it's the first time ever he's kicked <laughs> the ball straight. Uh, and I've seen him a couple of times and I've looked at him and I just shake my head. I never smile and just give him the <laughs> glare like, you fucking... I don't ever say. But no, it was, it was a magnificent night. We played fantastically well and um, the players um, were superb. Absolutely superb. It was a special night. There's a question here. I'm, I'll read it out. 
whether it's true or not, I don't know. But ask him about making Cheltenham players train for set pieces using pieces of toast and heading them at a TV. <laughs> yeah, true. Yes. yes. <laughs> just a nod. Just a nod. Yeah. Yeah, we did. Um, we did that. We didn't have a football. We didn't have anywhere to prepare, so we did it in the uh, hotel dining room. We moved the chairs to make near post and far post. We made some candlesticks to be corner flags, put the players in position, in-swingers, out-swingers. Yeah, easy. And then You're slinging turn. the toast in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well done, though. Not soft. <laughs> you don't have soft toast. Notts <laughs> County, the first one. I got the job the day before, so we're on the way down to Yeovil. Didn't, didn't know anyone, really. The players picked the team. I didn't know what to say or do. I was, who direction should be playing? And they, they put it together. And, and on the way down, I sit and wrote out some set plays. So we'd done it at the services down at Bristol in the car park. <laughs> All the players are like looking around going, really? Well, we've got to do some set plays, haven't we? Defending set plays, yeah. free kicks, corners, blah, blah. So we were doing it. You know the lines in the car park, in the coach park, they're wide, aren't they? So if you do three of them, you've got an 18-yard box. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Was that the time with the app off at Yorval? How do you know about that? See? Yeah, we we, uh, we did bits with the apple. I think I ate an apple, didn't I, something? You got an apple in the middle? No, yeah. we, had a, we had a yoga teacher in. That was it. We had a yoga teacher in. And Barnet were going to Yeovil. We were good at the time under Gary Johnson, very good. And so um, it's, there's there's two ways you can go about it in my in my mind. You can um, pay them loads of compliments, and hopefully they get a little bit. Um, oh yeah, he thinks we're really good, um, which I did, and to soften them up a bit. Does that make sense? Come to think of it, we've got yeah. an easy game. Yeah, that's it. Um, can't see us winning. They're too good for us. Blah blah blah. Great, really good manager. They never lose a game. Da, 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 da. So I did all this sort of stuff nonstop. And then added the yoga bit in. Then the apple bit. And then uh, we were four 0 down in twenty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> they were a good side. <laughs> did everyone have to go in the middle to take a bite of the apple? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> 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 yeah, because it was green apple when they play in green. Something like that. Ah, uh, so there was a method. Mm. No, it didn't work. <laughs> it doesn't always work. The cat all worked. The cat all worked. Some of the stuff on there. Do you remember the Milton Keynes Christmas party? The salt and pepper shaker? Yeah. And the lights went off. Snowball fight with the polystyrene balls? Yeah, that happened. Yeah. <laughs> Confirmed. Get in. Well, it was a Christmas party with all the players. I think with their wives there. Yeah. Wives there as well. Yeah. I like Christmas parties because I think the wives of the players deserve and earn the opportunity to have a Christmas party. I think it's the right thing to do. And I think they have an important part to play. Um, so we set this thing up. The, the players and their wives or girlfriends get a new dress, come out, Christmas thing. So it was something good to look forward to. But I, I bought these white polystyrene, polystyrene things that uh, some you had to throw them around the room or blow them like this, and you could fire them at people. But they don't hurt. <laughs> but if you put them in red wine and then blow them and the ball comes, the red wine splats everywhere. So that's 
I start, someone's, I don't know if it was me. <laughs> <laughs> so, there's a quick backtrack of people's new dresses. <laughs> <laughs> so then, you break the ice and say, well, good evening, everybody. It's great for you all to be here. Lovely to see you all. Ladies, you all look fantastic tonight. It's, uh, it's our Christmas party. Everyone have a good time. Uh, make the most of it and uh, let's have a good crack. These are on the table. They're called breaking the ice type of things. You pick these up, you put them in this and go, and you can just fire them around to everybody. So everybody's a little bit worried, obviously, because they're not sure about a Christmas party and if it can all <laughs> kick off and be funny. So I started off, so one goes, and then my next one went into the red wine. And all of a sudden, the red wine's going, where's that come from? <laughs> and then the salt and pepper went, started going as well. So it was just carnage. Lights <laughs> off? Did you yeah, see? I think the lights went down as well. <laughs> so the, the salt and pepper cellars were being emptied everywhere. And um, the balls were going everywhere. And then the next thing, whee, the bread rolls came out and the bread rolls were going everywhere. The salt and pepper was going everywhere. These balls were going everywhere. Then drinks started going everywhere. We hadn't even had the dinner. <laughs> <laughs> the geezer were through running, it weren't at me. <laughs> I don't think. So no, that was fun. That was really good fun. <laughs> there was and, bloodshed, we heard. And I was what? Bloodshed. Was there? Um Who? Woman Down. Woman Down. Someone yeah. got hit in the head with a salt and pepper shaker. Claret. Unfortunately. Yeah. Oh, I can't remember that. Oh, it wasn't red wine down a dress. <laughs> it was probably me. <laughs> Guilty. Yeah. I'd probably have to hold. But those things, they can galvanize as long as it's kept private and within the group. And that was part of the agreement that we um I wrote letters, sent letters to them all as well before we did it. That whatever happens, there's no videos, no social media. If this is between us yeah. and we are, and you can do what you want. Um, but be respectful to the staff that work there. Be respectful to each other. We are going to have a good crack. Hmm. And I want you to have a good time. The big one though for me is because um, Aaron Wilbram told us a story, which he didn't know the conclusion of. And maybe you could shed some light was a wine gum in a toilet. And he said that, you, you you stepped out and said, if we win this game, apparently that wine gum had been there for some time, I'll eat the wine gum. And he still wasn't 100% sure whether you had a you had one in the pocket as a replacement, should should they win. I mean, if, if you're willing to shed the light. Chris, as you know, if you say you're going to swim it, you're going to swim, swim it. it. You say you're going to eat the pissy wine gum, you're going to eat the pissy, <laughs> wi- pissy wine gum. Did, did you eat the wine gum? Yeah. Straight out the, straight out the, the, you're the right tub. Up. Yeah. You just swim it. Unbelievable. It's not the, the poo toilet. It's the only the wee one. We've all done that, haven't we? We've all been a for three friends. We've all been there, don't we? <laughs> yeah, it was the, um, there's, there's three toilets, you know, the urinals where the men stand up and have a wee in, and there was a green wine gum in there. And obviously no one had got it out, and it had been in there for months. So um, I, I don't know what's, I just said, well, it, it, we'll win today and I'm going to eat that green uh, wine gum from the loo. <laughs> so we won and just went and got the green wine gum and then had it. That's so incentive. It's, um, it's fine. It's been one of the unsolved mysteries of this podcast, yeah. that. Is it? Actually, yeah. Oh, yeah. One of, your, one of your former players got in touch and he said to, um, <laughs> just said to mention Dubai trips at Brentford. Mm-hmm. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a few more. There's a few more, but I'll come on to them. The Dubai trip with uh, Brentford. 
Um, there was this thing at Brentford that uh, they were two Bob club, two Bob players, and an attitude of um, we're not very good all, all the way around it. The footballs were crap. The discs were crap. The bibs were crap. The training pitch was crap. Um, the hotels they stayed in were crap. And when I got there, I said to the bosses, I said, if we're going to do this, you've got to stop. This attitude has got to change. And I said, if I have to pay for it out of my own money, I will. But this attitude, this mindset cannot go on. If you treat them and make them feel like crap, they're going to play crap. I want the best players. I went, all right. So they went and bought 15 training footballs for me. And we ordered and got new discs and new bibs. And how basic is that? Mm. So when it came to a little trip... that's a given, wouldn't you, really? Yeah. Good equipment to use. You think that's an absolute given? It's not, though. A lot of places is like that. It's too Bob crap. And for me, if you're not smart and you're not bright and sharp, healthy and doing good, then your performance is not going to be very good. It's fucking gun for me, is it? No, yeah. no one needs oh. a fucking sack of shit. <laughs> uh, so with the trip to with that, we were away. We played away at Colchester, and um, I'd booked with through a travel agent myself uh, where I lived. I had to book it all myself. So there was no one to book or anything like that. And when I said to the guy, well, you know, we're going to go away for a few days before the FA Cup thing, it was um, with Sunderland, I think. Um, he said, oh, where do you want to go? You know, Tenerife or Spain? And I said, no, no fucking chance. So we want to go to Dubai. You know, Dubai? <laughs> Dubai? I said, yeah, <laughs> Dubai. <laughs> Dubai. He went, all right, then he said, get some prices. So I went to this lady, got some prices sorted out, twin rooms. I mean, my dog's outside. Not in Dubai, he's here. He's done a Monday. He's here. Can you get my dog? (laughs) (laughs) And um, so it was was quite a funny story because we played away at Colchester. Obviously, the game finished at quarter to five, ten to five. And um, the flight to Dubai on a Saturday night from Heathrow is um, 9.45. So you've got to be there at 7.45. So that left us that amount of time to get from Layer Road which it was those days, round to Heathrow Airport. But I got the times wrong. The same Heathrow West yeah. London. <laughs> From Essex. <laughs> but I got the times wrong. <laughs> and um, the flight wasn't at 9.45 at night. The flight was at 8.45. <laughs> and so the game finishes coming up to five o'clock and it's nearly two hours from Colchester in a coach to... So when the players, when the whistle went, we'd won, by the way. When the final whistle went at Layer Road, all our players ran off the pitch. <laughs> they didn't shake hands. <laughs> <laughs> at what point had you learned or had somebody realised that the time was wrong? Two days before. <laughs> right. So everybody had been yeah. been instructed. So I had a coach to drive with all the passports and the tickets as soon as the game finished. He sped off to Heathrow to the group travel. So he put all the passports and tickets in. The subs, with a couple of minutes to go, had already gone in. <laughs> Love the bags. Love the bags. Yes. So all the drinks containers, the warm-up balls, discs and everything, had already, before the game, gone onto the coach. Everything had already gone on the bus. The subs went in. We had a rule 
there was going to be no showers. So they came in, they took their kit off, they put their club tracksuit on, and they all ran to the bus. <laughs> there was no showers. We can't do press. No press. <laughs> no, didn't be fucked. So we're all on the bus for about 10 minutes after the game, all still covered wet, dirty. We had food on there for the players, of course. Got ourselves round. Got there about 45 minutes before the flight was taken off. Everything had been put through. So we just went straight through. So when we got onto the, uh, onto the aeroplane um, to fly to uh, Dubai. Imagine you were stinking. There were four of us because the head steward on the flight or something, the manager of the flight, um, was a football fan. He knew we were coming. He said, oh, Mr. Allen, for you and your staff, there was three others, there's four of us. He said, I've upgraded you to business class. So I said, fucking hell, that's all right, isn't it? <laughs> or all of us. And he said, no, just for you and your staff. <laughs> okay. So all the players are in economy just behind us. And we pulled the curtains and there's four of us sitting in the plush seats getting all the, all the stuff. <laughs> I wasn't comfortable. So I got out of my seat, went down to the front of the aeroplane, said to the, um, I think it was a, I can't remember, it was a chap. I said, excuse me. I said, I'm counting around here and this flight's pretty empty. I said, there's uh, 20, including my seat, so 16 other seats in business that are not being taken. He said, yes, that's correct. So I said, if the four staff, including myself, go to economy, can all the players come up here and use these bed seats for the flight and the trip ahead, but still serve them the same food, but can they use the beds? And he said, of course, no problem. So I got the captain, Stuart Talbot, who's the most humble, hardworking, down-to-earth lad you've ever met, called him over and said, Talbs, can you get all the players and tell them they're all sitting in here and we are going to sit in there? And he went, fuck off. <laughs> fuck off. He said, we can't sit in here. So I said, yeah, we're going to go. So we got our stuff up, all you know, those little bits and pieces you take on the aeroplane. We uh, we moved and all the players went and laid in those, um, those lounge beds for the trip to Dubai. And that's probably another one of the reasons why we had such a good team spirit and camaraderie because we made those players feel like the absolute best. But that's an overnight flight, okay? <laughs> so that flight lands in Dubai at something like 7.30 in the morning. We had taxis to walk us, to, uh, to drive us, that we just had to pay for ourselves, split it between four of you to get to the hotel, no coach and all that. And uh, when we got there, they said, the rooms are not ready, sir, until one o'clock. So he said, but you're welcome to go in for breakfast. So we took all the players in for breakfast. And then we got about three hours to kill. The next thing, Talbot, the captain, walks out to the side of the swimming pool, takes off his club tracksuit. He's got his underpants on. He's covered in mud Still from his knees. <laughs> Still dirty he's knees. He's got mud all over his knees and his legs. And he dives in the pool. I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. So as soon as the captain goes in, the rest of the squad... Not all of them are muddy, of course, but they've all got mud on them and they're sweating. They're all like Trent. (laughs) (laughs) All the players are on the side of this five-star hotel, proper pucker swimming pool, diving in the water. 
What if their pants on of the wash? Washing the legs down. The manager comes out. He says, good afternoon, good morning, Mr. Allen. Lovely to see you here at whatever hotel it was called. It's great that you're here. And he said, is this your players out there? So I looked out. I said, yes. He said, it looks like they're enjoying themselves. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, yeah, but they're a bit muddy because you didn't get a shower. And he said, I've noticed. <laughs> and we just let them get on with it. I think they were drinking beer by half eight in the morning. And um, that was it. Could you put a percentage marker on your managing philosophy of mentality and mindset to tactics the training whether that's with balls or toast <laughs> or a granny smith yeah. <laughs> but in terms of a, a split in, in your in your philosophy in, into management could you put a percentage line on that um it's very difficult to do that um everybody everybody knows these stories that we've been laughing and joking around today yeah I do actually coach a team as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and some people thought he's just a man motivator. But I was brought up, as we spoke about earlier, from 15 through to 19, I think it was, by that Scottish manager called George Graham. And he taught us how to play 4-4-2 his way. What he wanted with the wide players, what he wanted with the full-backs, what he wanted with the centre-backs, what he wanted with the two centre-forwards, the goalkeeper. We all knew our jobs. If you did not do your job how he's told you to do it, you didn't play. It didn't matter who you were. It didn't matter to him. Play it. And we hardly ever lost a game. We lost 4-0 away at Manchester United in the FA uh, Youth Cup when we were one of the favourites together to play to win it because Norman Whiteside, who'd just come back from the World Cup. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Scored a hat-trick. He was only 17. We were that good. We were like, we were the best. We never lost a game all around London. And George taught us. So I took all that. I learned all that from George. And those early games and all my teams played 4-4-2. And we're hard to beat, we're direct and very, very competitive and difficult to break down and to beat. And we were very, very fit. And the mindset was to win all the time. Win. And that was George. Um, and he punished me. He was horrible to me. He absolutely broke me. Dropped me, never played. I was never got into the reserve team. I was distraught. But from it, I came, probably came to where I am now. So that, all that, but then I changed after Knox County to try and play a bit of a different way. Mm -hmm. and, um, and that was a real challenge. You can imagine after George's football to play in uh, one holding midfield player in front of the back four, two high fullbacks, 
midfield players that came and played inside, one centre forward with the other one that had the freedom to go anywhere on the pitch and start play off, like what we watch on the telly now. Mm. Um, oh my God, what a challenge. And I just made it up myself. I didn't get it from a book or from anyone new. I just made it up and tried it. Flipping out that Gillingham team um, and that Barnet team. We'd done the same at Barnet. It was um, it's an amazing feeling. And when you get to the end of the season, um, as a champion, it's, I always used to say, it's good to get promoted. It's great to be a champion. And when you walk out there and you are a champion and been a manager for all those years and to be a champion, it's an unbelievable feeling. It's worth, the, worth all the rest of the shit. Oh, my God, yeah. After te- In a 10-month competition, to come out as a champion is unbelievable. It's just the most amazing. Being getting promoted is great, isn't it? It's good to get promoted, but being a champion is just different. It's just the most unique feeling. And I wanted to quit or retire by by ever getting three championships. I don't think I'm going to probably get that third one now, but to get two championships is it's fan. It's, it's I'm proud of it. I really am proud of it. It's the best thing that's ever happened to me. I was pleased to be a player and all that stuff. But to be a champion, a manager of a champion team is the uh, first one they've done it for 55 years, I think, at Gillingham. Can you imagine doing that? Unbelievable. Well, I don't know the lad, but he, he again, put a, I think he retweeted what we put. Bradley Dat, who I'm guessing, did you have him at Gillingham? Mm. Obviously, he's gone on to do unbelievable things at Blackburn. He's just done his knee again, I think. Mm. Yes. How did you deal with it? Because obviously, he was a good player, but he didn't really kick on until he went to Blackburn. Would that be accurate? No, not at all. Brilliant. No, no, no. Shut up, you fucking idiot. <laughs> in terms of... No, the, with Bradley Dack, we were going away to France in three days' time and we never had enough players to fill the group to go to France. We played against Dagenham and Redbridge in a pre-season friendly and it was one of those games where you had three thirties, if you remember those games. Mm, yeah. It was nil-nil. There was 10 or 15 minutes to go in the last third of the game at Gillingham's training ground. And um, senior players have probably played enough minutes. So we needed somebody to go on just to play. And he went on for 15 minutes. He nearly scored off corner. Then he had a shot and a goal. He saved it. And with about five minutes to go, he scored. So I said to one of the members of staff, who's that? Who's that? He said, oh, Bradley Dack, youth team last year, 37 goals, midfield. I said, he's not on this list. Is this your, mm. is this your first season at the club? I've only been there two weeks. Yeah. And he's, why is he not on this list? <laughs> really? Yeah, you don't do this and you don't do that and you don't do this and you don't do that. I said, okay, thanks very much. So the same day I saw him, there was a, there was a centre forward playing for Dagenham. I thought, after five minutes, I went, oh my God, who is that? So I walked along the touchline to a guy called John Steele, you know, the Dagenham manager. Yeah. So I said, John, who's that? 
He said, oh, that's, uh, his name's Dwight Gale. Do you like him? I said, do I like him? I said, I can tell after five minutes, what a player. He went, yeah, he's a good one. <laughs> I said, is there a fee for him? He said, of course there's a fee for him. <laughs> what are you talking about? Is there a fee for him? The game's going on. So I said, uh, how much is it? What is he? He went, it's a lot of money. A lot of clubs want him. So I got my phone out. The game's going on. Who are getting your wallet out? <laughs> Chairman, Mr. Scally in Dubai. Chairman, it's Martin. Hello, Martin. I said, uh, Chairman, there's a centre forward playing for Dagenham and Redbridge. I said, you should buy him. I said, can you speak to the chairman and find out how much it is to get him? Chairman, I said, he is a player. He is unbelievable. This kid was leaping and heading and getting about and was quick and was sharp. And our keeper made two great saves. He had another shot at the post. And it was like, oh, my God. I tried to buy Dwight Gale that afternoon. We bid <laughs> 150 grand for him that afternoon, but they didn't accept it. And then, obviously, Dwight Gale's gone on to go where, to, where he is now. Yeah. Where did he go from there? Uh, Peterborough. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So, going back to Bradley Dack, um, he had a knack, Dack, of getting into the box. It was Dak's knack. <laughs> um, he, would, he would make things happen. He, he could make things happen and he could finish and he could run. And he had energy, enthusiasm. And uh, we moved him up then into the first team group. But our first team, we won the first nine games. So I couldn't get him in the team. And um, he was on the periphery. I'd put him on for 10 minutes and take him off. And I'd put him on for 20 minutes at the end of games. And he was fantastic. He was absolutely fantastic. But he was, he was the first, he was one of those younger ones just coming in. Mm. But because the first team was so good, you can't put him in. But he was always sub, he was always round about it. And he was getting frustrated that he wasn't getting games, which is fully understandable because he was so good. And I played him one game and took him off at half time because we weren't playing well. But it was like any 18, 19 year old, you come from youth team football to first team football. It doesn't always happen just with your click of your fingers. It takes time. And he needed a little bit of time just to build, build, build. And, and grow, just like with DJ Campbell. It would have come with Brad, um, but we had to win games and we won all our games. We were top of the league for the whole season. So it wasn't an ideal time to put a young boy in. If anything, I could perhaps have put him out on loan, but I knew coming off the bench, he would always be a danger. He would always help us score a goal or make something happen because it always did when he played. So when he's gone on to... Um, to Blackburn and doing what he's doing, it's no surprise. He's um, he comes he's a boy, boy. Um, and and also a great lad as well. A great yeah. lad. Is the thing as a manager where you you try to help somebody, you try, you try, and then all of a sudden you just got to go. Yeah, You're definitely. Impossible. Yeah, there's definitely there's been a few players, um, and I'm not going to name names because I'd never break that kind of confi- confidentiality. Um, yeah, I've had players um, not turning up for training. I've had players. Um, I've had players stealing uh, cars. I've had players stealing money, um, and I wouldn't say it's luck, but I've managed to keep it in house and keep it private and keep it within the group. Um, I've had players go missing, literally missing. 
Um, and once again, I'm, I'm never ever going to would, would reveal names to those uh, situations because quite often people, not just footballers, people do find themselves in bad places in life. And I found I've, I've tried to help them and look after them rather than castigate them. And, uh, is there always, I was about to say, is there always a way back for them? Not really. Sometimes, so yes, yes, sometimes for sure. Sometimes for sure. Um, but there's been others that well, you, you just think, I just couldn't work that one out. Couldn't work that one out. A, a good example would be, I think a good example uh, would be Sam Sodgy, a defender I had at um, Brentford, who'd come from Margate. And uh, used to be late for training. Sometimes he didn't turn up for training. Sometimes he had no football boots. Sometimes he had no money. Um, he never paid his um, council tax. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> is that the one who ended up at West Brom? Centre half who ended up at West Brom. Sam he may Sodgy. have done, yeah. And Reading, he'd yeah. done really well in his yeah. career. So I took him from Margate um, to Brentford. Got about three hundred quid a week, and. Um, there was a sec club secretary bought up a pile of um, what, what's those documents you get from the court when they're trying to find someone? Those warrants. Warrant, no, not warrants, but the, the, we need to speak to you. We need to speak to you. We need to ah, speak right, to yeah. you, sort of stuff. All so she's, she's put that pile on my desk. It was addressed to him because they they couldn't find him, and um, or the police or the court or whoever it was. And I thought, I'm not, I know I'm not supposed to, but I did. I opened them all, and. Um, <laughs> It, there's a warrant for him. There's like, <laughs> they're after him. He hadn't paid his council tax for X, Y, Z amount of time. So when he came in, into my office, Sodge, Sodge, he said, uh, what's up, Gaffer? What's up? I said, these are telling me you haven't paid your council tax and the police want to speak to you. You need to speak to the police. <laughs> he said, no, 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 no. Don't worry about that, Gaffer. Don't worry about that. He said, they don't know where I live. <laughs> I went, what? He said, they don't know where I live. He said, I don't live there anymore. He said, so they won't get me. I said, Sam, <laughs> on Saturday, we are playing in the fifth round of the FA Cup away at Premier League Southampton. The game's going to be on television. There'll be a lot of police there. <laughs> and I think, Sam they will realise where you are. I don't think it's a good idea for you to hide at your friend's house, Sam. Do you? He went, no, 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 I'll be all right. And I thought to myself, we're going to get off the team coach at Southampton, fifth round of the FA Cup, and the police are just going to take him because that's where they're going to find him. So what we did, we, we um, privately, we rang the court and said, like, I've got him. Um, we'll pay you the money. So we paid his council tax over a longer period of time so he wouldn't get arrested. <laughs> did, he, did he still think you were getting away with it? <laughs> he turned up with a, with a disguise on. He ain't got a clue, mate. Don't <laughs> he don't even know now. <laughs> he don't even know now. <laughs> he came to training one day. He came to training and the coach had got him and said, the gaffer wants to see you. I said, Sodge, why didn't you come to training yesterday? He said, I didn't have no money for a ticket. I went, what? He said, I didn't have no money for a ticket. I said, you need some money? He went, yeah. <laughs> so 
So I've got my car keys, I've got my kit of training kit on. It's like five past ten, training starting at half ten. So I said, come and get me car. So I drove up onto the uh, A4 near Heathrow Airport. There's a parade of shops, and one of the shops has got one of those um, things ATM. where you put your card in. Hey, what's it called? ATM. ATM. Get yourself some gear, yeah? And ATM. <laughs> and so I've done, da, 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 da. he's sitting in the front seat, got my card, stick it in my pocket, took out 100 quid, and said, they are, there's 100 quid. I said, that should sort you out a ticket. This is the week we're playing Southampton in the fifth round of the FA Cup. Oh, thanks, Gaffer. Thank you. Left it. Never got it back. A few years later, Sam's gone on to play for Nigeria and he's played in the Premier League with Reading, I think West Brom mm. and all that sort of stuff. And I got invited to Charlton Athletic Football Club, the Valley. And as I'm walking down the slope from parking my black third-hand Mondeo, <laughs> walking down, I was going to be the auctioneer on the night for this charity thing. And as I'm walking down the hill, the shiniest, smartest, best Range Rover you've ever seen pulls up slowly next to me. And it's got those wheels that inside the wheels spin round. And I thought, whoever that is, is a flash bastard. As I'm walking, the car stops next to me and the window comes down slowly. Hello, Gaffer. <laughs> Hello, Gaffer. <laughs> and I thought, that's fucking sodgy. <laughs> Hi, Gaffer. <laughs> I'm looking at him and I went, where's my fucking hundred quid? <laughs> he said, oh, I'll see you later, Gaffer. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. He's, got a car, he's got a car worth more than my house and I'm giving him 100 quid I'll pay a leather gaffer I've never seen that 100 quid since so if you're listening Sam get in touch Alby mentioned something about making the players do a dance before they went back to the room the oh, night yeah. before a game oh yeah just tell us your thinking so you're having your, your, your tea is your mind always going like what can I do to- yeah <laughs> We played away at Wickham Wanderers and we went to the Holiday Inn on the M40 for our pre-match meal, which is five minutes from the uh, Adams Park. And uh, you're sitting there having your tea and toast and scrambled egg and beans. And as a manager, you've got to fucking work something out what you've got to say to your players, which is why sometimes I just don't bother because I think they don't listen anyway. (laughs) And um, I think, no, I'm going to go for a walk. I went for a walk and when I went through these two big doors that night, there's some wedding reception on or something. So there's loads of tables sitting out with all the bits and pieces round. This is Saturday lunchtime. And I'm I think, what am I, I going to say? And in the middle, there was a square dance floor. And then my mad brain clicked into place for the team meeting. We'd been set up in another conference room, you know, all the chairs and all that bullshit, which you do every week. And it's boring. So uh, when it came to finish the pre-match, right, everyone in for the team meeting, follow follow me. So I took them into this wedding room. There's all flowers and all that sort of stuff and all that rubbish everywhere. And uh, it all went quiet and they're looking at me like scary eyes. (sighs) Who's the first to get on the dance floor? And they're all like, what the fuck are you on about? (laughs) 
who's the first to get on the dance floor? Who's going to show us some moves? And they're all like looking at me going, I said, this afternoon when you go on the dance floor, are you going to be able to show me some moves? Or are you just going to stand on the periphery and looking from the outside and see the other team doing it? Who's going to get on the <coughs> dance floor? Who's going to get out there and show what you can do? Put on a performance, entertain. And they're still fucking looking at me. <laughs> so there is still, there's even, there's still yeah. a method so, behind it. And I'm not sure if I did. I'm not sure if I did. I think I was the first on the dance floor <laughs> and I showed them some moves, I think. Good moves? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can dance, by the way. <laughs> I thought you would be able to. I am a fucking dancer. <laughs> I do that. Um, I think my nephew's taught me it. I think it's called the snake or something. Oh, yeah. What's it called? The worm. Oh, yes. Right, yeah. That's my favourite. <laughs> Did you pull the worm out that night? Harder. <laughs> so I think I showed them. But after that, and it's also to break the ice as well to break the tension mm. because it's a bit tense, isn't it, on a Saturday lunchtime before a football match around the place. It is a bit... Um, and they all had to get on the dance floor and show some dance moves. I said, come then, let's go. <laughs> that was basically it, really. Yes, I did do that. <laughs> and I think I danced as well, probably. You're, I mean, probably spoke about it a million times before, but we've got to ask, obviously, about the, the Leicester experience. And Was that a, a tough decision to go to Leicester? No, tough decision to go to Leicester. No, to go to Leicester City Football Club. Yeah. No, um, MK Dons. We'd um, that was my first. I had one season at MK Dons, um, and to get them into the playoffs was a pretty good achievement. It was a big turnover of players the previous summer, and a big change of culture. And then when I got that phone call that uh, about Leicester, it was like blimey. And obviously I'd done pretty well at Brentford and then the last, and then the MK one. So that had been, a, and Barnet had been good. So it had been about five years nonstop of being, I'm not sure if it's successful, but doing well perhaps mm. is a better way to put it. And then um, I, I went into um, a hotel in central London, big posh one, and uh, ushered into this, ushered in, you know, like a fame uh, back room. And... Uh, Spoke to the owner and someone else who was with him. Don't know who he was, and uh, had a chat about it. And he said, "Well, this is you know, this is what we want you to do. This is da 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 da." And we've already signed uh, so many players. Okay, yeah, fine. And he said, "And is the um, the contract we're looking at?" So he said, "If you want to take the contract to go out and have a look," he said, "Then we'll uh, come back in ten minutes and we'll have a chat." I took the brown envelope, went out and had a look into the reception. And on my way out there, I was thinking, already signed some players. Is that a red flag? <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Didn't like that. Yeah, red flag. So I went and sat in those nice sofas that they have in those posh hotels, got the envelope out and had a look at the numbers, flicked through it a little bit. I didn't know how much I was going to get paid. I was like, fucking hell. <laughs> Sign <laughs> as many as you fucking want. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell, tucked it back in the thing. Right? <laughs> yeah, you still thinking there's room for a bit of wriggle here? <laughs> <laughs> You're doing a DJ? <laughs> you know, <laughs> You're not doing a DJ? <laughs> I 
<laughs> so, which players uh, have you already signed? So he went through the list of the players. That oh, so you've not just gone in and gone, yes, yes, I'll sign it. Compose. <laughs> For me, it was a life changer. It was a proper game changer. And as you can probably imagine, at the other clubs that I'd been at, if I said to the boss at Barnet, I want this player, he would get him. If I said to the boss at Milton Keynes, I would get him. Um, there was no black and white. It was because I knew every player. When I was younger, um, I worked scouting Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday nights, every week for years to find the players. All the time. I worked all the time. So my career has not just been through luck. I've been out looking and finding players and I've driven all over the country, service stations at 10 o'clock at night, coming from up north, all over the place, to find decent players. In those days, I don't now, but I, any player that was out there playing for any club, I knew them. And for some reason, I can't remember music. I don't know anything about music. I don't know anything about anything else. But when it came to professional footballers, I knew them. And just, it's just stuck in my head. Weird. That is weird. So when it came to Leicester, and I had a good idea then of the players and the types that I thought would be needed, they hadn't done very well the year before, so there was obviously need for change, and uh, he asked me to come in and change it. And then um, I uh, I do do his accent. Am I allowed to do it? Oh, by all means. <laughs> are you? By the way, just you know when you're going down these names, are you thinking, shit, not good, not good, all right, yeah. I love him. As you're going down the list that they've already signed? No. You're not asked who they signed? Did they look down the list? And I didn't say, he's good, he's good, he's good. No, but were you thinking this in I your head? I looked down the list and thought, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> so. But you paid as a fortune. So I'll go <laughs> with it. But more importantly, we were just getting to the accent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, when it came to the agreement, you know, they sort of said, well, what do you want to do? And I could not walk away on a matter of principle on that with that contract, which would have been a, it's kind of a life changer yeah. when you get a deal like that. Um, um, so I said, yeah, that'd be great. That'd be fantastic. But then there were other players to come in as well into the club, which I didn't know about. And uh, I think it's been well, document, well documented that um, I had a phone call on a Sunday evening from the chief exec, uh, Tim. And um, uh, what do you think of uh, what do you think of uh, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank? I said, yeah, he's all right. What for? He said, well, we're in London at the Churchill. He said the chairman um, wants to sign him. I said, what for? Sarcastically, and uh, he said, well, he thinks he can do a job. I said, well, we've already got five centre forwards. So the last time he played was when. When did he last play? He played midfield for Charlton in his last game and he played central midfield and he got took off at half-time. I said, what, he's going to play up front for us? I said, that was about eight months ago. Well, the chairman wants him. I think, yeah. I said, if the chairman wants him, he can tell the public that it's the chairman's signing, it's not my signing, and I'm not going to guarantee that I'm going to play him, but he won't get in our team anyway. So that's, there it is. He said, Martin, I think you should sign him. I said, well, Tim, fuck it, I'm not. Down to you. So the next night, I was in the hotel at the Marriott in uh, Leicester, 
my room's up on the top floor in the swanky bit. And as you look down from when you come to the barrier at the top, you can look down into the middle of the hotel, you know, one of those hotels and the seats at the bottom, there was, there was Jimmy with three of his mates or family or agent down the bottom. So I'm in the lift at the top. I got down in the lift at the bottom. So I came down to the ground floor. And as I came out, I walked over and said, Jimmy, nice to see you, mate. Nice to see you. Are you okay? So I shook hands with all of them. And uh, he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good man. Good to see you. Yeah. He's a nice guy, isn't he? He's a lovely guy. So I got him. I said, see you later then. See you later. And I think the agent said to me, uh, are, you, uh, are you all okay with Jimmy signing this morning? I said, well, you have to sort that out with the chairman. I said, chairman's, chairman's football club. So I said, whatever. He said, do you know about all this? I went, mm, not really. I said, but hey-ho, you've got an agreement with the chairman. Get on with it. And uh, I went to the training ground. Chief exec said, Jimmy's signing this morning. <laughs> I said, good luck. I said, but I ain't fronting it up. I said, he ain't for me. I said, we've got five centre forwards. I just paid a million pound for DJ Campbell. And we also had Matty Fryett. And we had um, the big centre-forward uh, French. So we got too many. We got too many players. And um, I wanted Dean Kiley. You know Dean Kiley? Keeper. Goalkeeper. Keeper. I wanted Dean Kiley, who I think was coming up to about 33, 34. He lived in the area. And I thought with his uh, attitude and skills that he would be the type of character that would be needed at that time. Um, maybe on a one or two year deal. Um, and we signed a goalkeeper from Norway called someone or other. And God bless him. I didn't sign him. He was hopeless. <laughs> he was hopeless. <laughs> and he used to let goals in and he just wasn't very good. And paid, they paid a lot of money for him. And they paid a lot of money. There was a right back that came in from Iran. Well, when he came through the door at the stadium at 10 o'clock at night into the function room, because he was waiting for him to arrive, um, I thought it was a jockey. <laughs> <laughs> I said, how are you doing, all right? <laughs> how are you? He said that he didn't even say hello. He couldn't even say hello. So, you know, who am I to criticise anybody because they can't speak English? I'm certainly not doing that. So don't get me, don't, you know, start thinking I'm on my aisle so I can speak loads of languages. But if you're coming over to play here, you would know hello yeah. and you'd say thank you or please. You'd make a point of it even when he was on the aeroplane. I think yeah. that'd be reasonable. And um, when I saw the size of him, I said, fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> Chairman, can I have a word? He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, everything okay? I said, uh, I said he's a bit fucking small, isn't he? He said, yeah, but he plays wing back. I said, wing back? I said, fucking hell. <laughs> he said, everything okay though? I said, well, he said, he said it'd be worth a lot of money. I said, Chairman, I said, he's five foot fucking six. I said, you can't have a right back playing in the championship at five foot six. I said, that's, that's a hell of a move. Hell of a move. He said, well, we all have, already have the agreement in place and he's signing now. And I just couldn't play him. The rest of the players, it was fucking ridiculous. Um, it's a real test of character for you. you... Oh, God, yeah. We, I'll tell you what, this is what happened. On about the third or fourth day, as the as the chaps will know, once you've done all your, you've done a few days fitness work and a few days or ten days of training, you normally would give your players before the first preseason game, um, an in-house preseason game. So you've got eleven v eleven, 
and you bring up a few players from the youth team and you put them all together just to give the lads like a 45-minute go. When we had the list of players for our 11 v 11, we had on the list all professionals, all professionals, and I had two staff, by the way, <clears throat> we had 45 professionals. <laughs> so if you're going to play 11 v 11... <laughs> 23 subs. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You imagine 44 players stood in front of you to do a warm-up. <laughs> I, I ain't fucking doing it. <laughs> and that was that was what it was like. And um, we actually got a team together that was pretty good from that group. We had a good performance down at um, Crystal Palace and played very well. And Drew with a free kick in the last minute, which was a shame. And then when we beat uh, Watford at home 4-1. Um... Your internal thoughts at this point, questioning your own integrity from day one, do I have to be a yes man here? Well, I asked my question this. Uh, my, I asked myself this question. With the signing of another player without my knowledge or without my agreement, <clears throat> do I sacrifice my values and principles for money? Or should I stand with my integrity? Integrity don't pay the bills, does it? Do I regret it now? What I did? No. If I had to do the same again now, and it has happened to me at a club, and I'm not going to say the club, and I'm not going to say the owner, he signed a player on a three-year contract behind my back, without my knowledge, and I didn't want him, and he was trouble in the dressing room. And I disagreed with it, and I fell out with him, and I got the sack. Would I do it again if I went back in? I think from the values and the principles that have been drilled into me from when I was a little boy by my parents, I could not lie to myself and the paying public that come to watch perhaps, I wouldn't say my team play, but watch the team play that I put together knowing they've got a liar running it. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. A yes to your philosophy, take the money and integrity doesn't pay the bills. I get that. I'll pay the bills knowing I'm a liar and a cheat. I can't do it. I will never name those people that have done it to me, but they know who they are. They know. So I fucking told them. <laughs> <laughs> fucking said it. And so they fucking sacked me. Yeah. So for those of what happened at Leicester then, how did it come to, a, come to an end? We played on the Saturday and won 4-1 at home to Watford, who were top of the league. Played very, very well. Very good performance. Standing ovation from all the players. Fantastic. No one rang me after the game. No one said anything to me after the game. Uh, just got in my car with my son, George, the clever one. And we drove away. And he said, Dad, you're not going upstairs to see anybody. I said, no, I don't want to go home. I was happy with what I'd done. And on the Tuesday night, we played away at Knott's Forest in the cup. And I gave some cup, whatever cup it was, not the FA Cup, the other one. So the players that had not played on the Saturday, the subs, I played them in the team, which you normally do. Mm. on the Tuesday night away at Forest 
We had a big turnout of fans uh, behind the goal because it's a local derby. The sellout of all our supporters. Big game for them against that lot. And um, very, very sadly, at half time, one of our players collapsed in the dressing room. Clarkie? Yes. And um, when we came into the dressing room, and I'm not, I'm not going to go into the details because it would be disrespectful to him. Um, um, how do I put this uh, fairly? And so you, everyone gets a good idea of it. I came into the dressing room and um, Clarky had collapsed in the dressing room and it was really, really bad. So we kept all the players out of the dressing room. Only a couple of staff came in. Uh, we had a really good physio called Dave Rennie and another one called Dave, uh, Damien Doyle were trying to help him. And the club doctor came in as well to try and help him. <clears throat> I think the score at the time was 1-1. But after we'd witnessed what we'd seen, there was no way that I was going to go out for the second half with my player in that. I think it's been well documented. He, he was not breathing. Which Clark is this, by the way? Clive. Clive Clark. Clive. Left he was on loan from Sunderland. Hmm? He was on loan from Sunderland. Or... Correct. Diamond. As a bloke, absolute diamond. So um, whether to play the second half or not was... Did we play the second half? I didn't want us to play the second half. None of the players wanted to play the second half. They were all crying. That you know, it was their teammate, and he was, you know, it, in a bad way. Yeah, mm. bad, bad way. So in the end, he got taken to the hospital. Uh, we didn't play the second half. The game got cancelled. Um, I went back on the team coach, in touch with the physios. He was breathing again, so he was okay, just, but he was alive. Went back to um, Leicester. Uh, got in my car, drove straight back to Nottingham to the hospital to see him. On the way, I'd contacted his uh, girlfriend and his parents, and they were now on their way down from Sunderland, I think they were living. So I met them at the uh, hospital at three o'clock in the morning. So I hadn't seen Clive, obviously you're not allowed into intensive care, so I just sat in the corridor waiting for his parents to come. One of the secretaries had arranged for a hotel for them three to stay in that night. And I waited there till they came, settled them down, spoke to the consultant. Um, he's alive. Next morning, I got a phone call. at. Uh, I drove back then to Leicester, got back into Leicester at five. Um, got a phone call at 9am. Um, and I was sacked at half past nine at the stadium. Wow. How did he sack you? Phone himself? Or? No, over the desk at the stadium. Yeah. All three of us were called in, myself, my assistant and my sports scientist. Brilliant. Both of them brilliant people. And uh, we actually arranged for all the players to come to the training ground for 9am. That's what happened. We got everybody in because I'd spoken to somebody who deals with trauma in incidents and he said the best thing you can do is get everybody in round a table at the training ground and talk to them all and let them chat straight away to get trauma out mm. yeah there's nothing obviously i've ever experienced or managed or knew how to cope with and uh, he's um he's an expert with the uh, pro license <clears throat> with the um doing the pro license for the uefa so I said to him, what, what the hell do I do with all the playing squad? Because, you know, he's, he said, get them all in, 
I'd done all that at nine o'clock. I finished that about 9.45 and I had to get to the ground for 10 o'clock and then he sacked me. And I was affected badly, uh, mentally. Do they give you a reason? No, never do. Just, I'm really sorry, but we're relieving you of your duties. Yeah, exactly. Just like that in a document and you have to, have to go, off you go. And then they, um, I wasn't very well, mentally, in a bad place for um, quite a while. I had to have time off. I had to get uh, professional help. Is this the first health. time you've been sacked? Yeah. It's the first time you've been sacked? Yeah. But it was also the trauma of seeing my yeah. player in such yeah. a bad way. I mean, um, I guess we've only sort of been together for a few hours. But if you were going to be with me, I, you know, or you know, I would look after you. And I would stand by you, whatever, hmm. if you're going out to play for me. Would that make sense? Yeah. yeah. And I would hopefully build a friendship and a bond that we would be, I'll be there for you. I would be there for you. Whatever fucking happens, I'm going to be there for you. But I'd had that for like five or six years of all my players. But then just to be told, you're sacked. It didn't matter. I had a good payoff, but that was, it was relevant. The money was totally, you know, it knocked me, it knocked me badly. And did you feel like that took away you being able to be there for the players when they needed it? Well, I had to just leave the players. When you leave as a manager, you you know, you can say goodbye to them. You can ring them up or the players normally ring you. But like I said, there was 44 players. So as a manager, as you know, is that is the door open for the dog? <laughs> oh, no, he's okay. As a manager... Uh, with those integral players that were involved as a manager, on that you are okay normally with 11 players. You're good with 11 players because they're playing. The other five or six are like, oh, you don't play me, don't pick me, can't believe he's not playing me, should have put me on as a sub early, I'll fucking show him. That's about six of them. And there's probably another six that don't even get on the subs bench who are probably not happy. Well, you just worked that out when you got 44. Mm. You have a hell of a lot. Of, yeah. I suppose I meant the, those players that were the, that day and experienced that trauma. And you having, you know, you're building that relationship with the players where you have that, you want to have that personal relationship with players. That, that's kind of been taken away then. Oh, yeah. Well, you, 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 you basically, when, when you do get the sack and you've got this camaraderie that you build up with your players, it's weird because it's closed off. Mm. And then the next day you wake up and seven o'clock in the morning to go to training and be the first in. It's seven o'clock and you don't have to go in. And you don't say, oh, good morning, good morning, good morning. How are you doing? What do you think we should do today? Because your mind's active. What training should we do? How should we set it? Should we get it intense or should we fucking have a laugh? Should we have a good day today? Or what sort of day do we have? All of a sudden you sit here, like you come looking out the window and think, what should I do today? Cut the grass? Is that the first time that, it, that you've been in that situation? Because we spoke to a lot of lads in the past when they've finished playing. And they feel that. Yeah. And you've gone straight from playing into coaching, into management, and then that's the first time. I didn't go straight went. into, uh, when I finished playing, I didn't go straight into this, into coaching and managing. I was a gardener. Yeah, I was, I've been a gardener. Yeah, I was a gardener in Gerrard's Cross. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't have any money and I didn't have anything to do. Yeah, I was a gardener for five months. And Alan Pardew rang me on a Thursday night and said, can I meet you? I've been, I've been collecting up bins, um, leaves. 
from people's houses in Gerard's Cross, all the posh houses, big houses in Gerard's Cross. All the posh people lived there. And I put a blinking sign in the in the newsagent, experience, 10 years experience as a gardener. <laughs> 10 years experience. <laughs> 10 years experience as a gardener, call this number, just moved to the area looking for new customers. Uh, within half an hour, I had about half a dozen. So one of them um, I found out was, uh, I said, go, I do know my garden. I do like gardening anyway. I'm a bit like nerdy like that. And um, so I, I used to roughly know what I was doing. And this old boy, Gerard's Cross, very posh, um, sort of used to come in and see and have a look, get me a cup of tea and all that sort of stuff. And then I saw his car come up one day and it was one of those extra long, big black cars with a flag on the top and a driver. And he came out of the house with a robe on. He was a judge. And I thought, oh, my God. <laughs> if he ever sees the state, I've left his garden. <laughs> if I ever have to appear in front of him, he's going to put me down for about 10 years. <laughs> I absolutely mullered his garden. <laughs> and then there was another one, some lady, at random, I don't know who she was. She said, oh, she gave me the address. Could you come and do a couple of hours? And she said, we see how you are. 15 quid an hour. Perfect. So I got down there, 8 o'clock, and it was a gate. There was a gate here. And there was a, a pathway going straight to the front door. And either side of the pathway, there was a little flower bed on each side. So I started by the gate and I got my little handful and a bucket. And I'm getting all the weeds out and putting them in. And five past eight, the front door opens. Bloke walks out with a Mac on and a briefcase walking down the pathway. So I just moved to the side a little bit so he could go by. And he carried on, got to the gate, opened the gate, went out the gate, came back to the gate, opened the gate stood in front of me and went, you're Martin Allen. I went, yeah. He said, I'm a West Ham season ticket holder. I went, oh, hello, nice to meet you. He said, I thought you said you had 10 years experience. <laughs> 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 so I'm on the floor, kneeling down, looking up at this bloke, all suited and booted, proper pucker businessman. I went, uh, and I sort of grinned at him. He went, I'm going to work. And he walks off and fucks off. So that's what I used to do. I used to do people's gardens. And yeah, when Alan Pardew rang, um, you know, black bags and getting you know, those, all those leaves that drop down. I used to just rake them up and get rid of it and do people's lawns and the edging just to get a bit of money in, but also to stop myself getting bored. Yeah. And when I finished playing football, I was also thinking about how am I going to make a living? So if you do get about half a dozen, 10 houses in Gerrard's Cross, you know, yeah. you can earn a decent living <laughs> um, because at the time it was an option. Yeah. Because when you finish playing football, it, it is, it's very dark. It's some dark days, mm. difficult days. And, um, you know, it's not easy. It's not easy. I want to ask what you were, you know, when the cameras are off, when you feel like you could be yourself, you take your tie off at the end of work. What are you really like when you're at home with a family? Quiet. Quiet. Um, walk the dog a lot. Um, rest. Um, do the garden. And um, believe it or not, my garden has been, has been my out, really. Because such a, some, from such a young age, 
of being um, a professional footballer. And people smile when I say I was a professional footballer. At eight, I was. Friendships were secondary to me and to my life and how I was brought up. So I've never had that many friends. I've got people that I know. Um, and since I've stopped managing, I've, had a, I've got a lot more friends now and close people that have been really good to me. Been starting a new kind of life, really. Do you think that's because you can you can switch off? You can put that. It's not. It is a. It almost is a character. You know, this mad dog. You can leave that behind you, and then you feel like you can be yourself a lot more. Well, I haven't worked. I don't think now for about two years, and um, I do. And there's an, there's a gym class that a consultant told me to do called Body Pump, which is weights um, to music. Um, and some someone at the front, and you copy all their stuff. And the consultant told me, that if you do all this stuff, it'll be good for the strengthening of the muscles around your heart as you get older, which is important. So I started to do these classes. Anyway, I'm at the back, rubbishy, and um, I don't. Th- I think maybe a few of them know me in there. But I've been doing it for two years, two or three times a week, and then um, in lockdown. Um, one of the ladies, he WhatsApp groups. Is it called WhatsApp or yeah. WhatsApp? <laughs> WhatsApp. <laughs> WhatsApp group. It's a WhatsApp group. So I'm in that. And um, we go out for bike rides a few times a week in pairs normally. And I've known her for two years. And she said to me the other day, oh, so were you a footballer then? I said, pardon? She said, so did you play for West Ham? I said, yeah. She said, "Ah." Oh. And I loved it because probably for all my life and where I live now, I'm out in the country and I'm sort of away from everybody and everything. It's a different kind of life. And I don't, no one ever says to me, oh, hello, mad dog. Or uh, it's kind of just. People appreciating you for who you are rather than the initial perception of, oh, he's a footballer, he's a football manager. So it has been a massive change. Um, Was your energy sapped from your last job, the Chesterfield? With what happened and um yeah yeah and having to move as well that didn't help um yeah and that club can be a big club by the way and um i had a vision for that club um a lot of fans saw that vision, but just going off the comments mm, that we got, yeah, they saw the vision, they saw everything you were trying to do. I think a lot of people just wanted to know what, why it didn't work, basically. Uh, the player recruitment was not as good as it should be. Uh, there's a reason the club's had two relegations in three years. There's a reason the club's had so many managers in such a short space of time. And um, they should have left that with me. They should have left that with me. Some of those players weren't good enough, but they weren't on long deals. And the players that I've signed are still there. Yeah. The good ones. And there's some of the others that have been let go. But when, you, when you're when you on a total recharge of a club, how much did I save that club a week? 17,000 a week. 17,000 pound a week. To so that level. That's getting on for half a million quid. That's a lot of money. The resident mathematicians turned up again. <laughs> it's a lot of money and a lot of turnaround. And I, I had to tell all the players they were all free to go. You, and you lose your top goal scorer. As soon as you lose your top goal scorer, you're always struggling. He went to Notts County, got 100 grand for him. It's getting up towards 800 grand, by the way. <laughs> get the math wrong there. A year. So it's a, it's a lot of money. I saved them an awful lot of money. 
Um, it, I'm really, really pleased the new manager is doing well and they've got new owners as well. So I'm really, really pleased for the people of Chesterfield because to see their club's demise as quickly as what it has for those people, shocking, sad, very, very sad. Does it make you want to fight back and come back and do it all again? Uh, if it were the Leicester contract, I think you'd have a bash at it, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, with that Leicester situation, I think everybody would have to agree. Um, I laid the foundations for them to win the Premier League. (laughs) (laughs) Why are you fucking laughing at that stuff, (laughs) (laughs) Do you look back on that last situation with a bit of pride, though? The fact that, do you know, it was your integrity was probably your demise. At Leicester. Let me tell you something, you ready? I'm not sure I've ever gone public with this one. I'm not sure I'm going to answer your question, but it's something that just flipped into my mind. It was important at the time to um, try to build some spirit amongst the players and a lot of staff at the stadium. Okay? So it was well publicised. Non-playing staff. Non-playing staff. So people in the club shop, people of the groundsmen, and all behind the scenes, a lot of staff at Leicester. So what we did, we trained half an hour early one morning, had lunch at the training ground. No. And then all players met with all the ground staff, and we had a big buffet upstairs for everybody to mix. And so what we did was four players or five players would each go in their five group in their groups to different parts of the ground or the stadium to work in say the marketing or the commercial or the uh, um, what's it the journalists the media uh, the groundsmen the people in the club shop the people in the ticket office the people in the cleaning so we had players to go to all different sections and there'd be like half an hour even if you just sat there and chatted with the people the five of you engage. When I left Leicester, someone wrote that I made the players clean the toilets at the stadium. And that was one of the reasons they sacked me. So basically just, for, just using this situation and just making what a story of what they want from it. Yeah. Yeah, but the the, the whole intention of why you've brought everybody together. Yeah, bring this like community. And look at Leicester now, they are that, aren't they? Yes. Absolutely galvanised, top mm. to bottom. The owner is with them. The manager's right with them. And it has been for years. When, um, when we were at Leicester, we, uh, the, the, cha- the chairman, Mr Mandaric, he, um, <laughs> he took us to, um, he paid for us to go to Troon, Troon in Scotland. Golf course. Yeah. And there's a hotel there overlooking the golf course, the 18th, when I love golf. Like, I was like, wow, what a great place to go. I've never been anywhere like that before. Lovely hotel. And anyway, we had a nice training centre. We'd go and train. And then we trained like a couple of days, a couple of afternoons or three, whatever, a day, um, a day in the training. So then the last night, we allowed all the players to stay up till about 11 o'clock and have a few beers before the flight the next uh, day home. When the players had gone to bed, we all, the staff, we all play cards. 
we're overlooking the 18th green at the Troon. <laughs> I lost the card game and the forfeit was for the loser to go out of the hotel, across the little lane, which is like five yards wide, through the bushes, which was the rough, onto the fairway, go down the fairway to the 18th green at Troon, get the 18th flag and bring it back and we'll take it with us back to Leicester, <laughs> right? As a, like, this is us. Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? Like, you know, in the war films. Well, there was. Yeah, like that. <laughs> so we all thought it was a good idea. There's about 10 staff. I lost. <laughs> I had to go out and get the flag. So just as I crept onto the green, right, as soon as you stepped onto the green, the floodlights went boom. <laughs> it was like a scene from The Great Escape. That's <laughs> what I thought I was going to run back. And like, I grabbed the flag and run. Oh, you got the flag? Yeah. So you got a swimmer. <laughs> so I'm running down. They're all in stitches of laughter because all the light's gone on and it's caught me. I'm caught red-handed. So I cop went in, got it. Physio, get it in your room, put it under your bed. Perfect. So when we got it back, back to Leicester, we put the flag in my office behind my desk as a memento of our trip. When they gave me the letter telling me I've been sacked, <laughs> one of the articles, there's about nine things I've done wrong. One of them, only nine. Um, <laughs> one of them, number seven, was stole flag from Troon Golf Club. <laughs> <laughs> so they had, the, <laughs> I got, they had the CCTV on footage. <laughs> <laughs> to put it as gross misconduct. <laughs> <laughs> so when you when you when you're in this situation, the league managers association they come down and represent you, and you have to sit down and you show them the document. So you're sitting there going through it. It's number one, yeah. Number two, yeah. Number three, nah, load of rubbish. Number four. And you said number seven. They said, "What's that?" I said, "I nicked the flag off the flag. <laughs> Guilty as charged." <laughs> You're going to have to push that one on the carpet. <laughs> and I said, do you think we'll have a problem with that one? <laughs> and he said, I don't think so. He said, just give them back. He said, did you do it? And I went, yes. <laughs> so that was one of the points, the nine points of me getting sacked at Leicester. Oh, tremendous, man. Brilliant. Great times. <laughs> All the best. Yeah, yeah, thank you very much. I think really appreciate that. It's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah. It's been lovely to have you all here. I just wish I'd, I think I wish I'd, I'd have played for you. Yeah. Do you reckon? Yeah. You wouldn't have got through that edge. No. <laughs> <Hey>? <laughs> no chance. Fuck off. I wouldn't have, I just, because I was that slow, I'd have been at the back. It'd have all been broken down by then. <laughs> I'll <laughs> <see> you, lads. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, absolute yeah, pleasure. pleasure. Thank you very much. We're all driving back now.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.